transition. Our children are looking to go to children's church. They're going to be gathering right over here. So if you're interested that your child like to go to children's church this morning, please have them over here with this ugly guy, Keith, right here. See him? No, good. Uh, no, please do. Psalm 27 is where I'll encourage the rest of you that will be staying with us here in the worship center to turn with me today. Psalm 27, if you would find verse 1. Psalm 27, verse 1. We'll still take a few moments. There's no rush at all. We're excited about uh, all that's coming this week. Vacation Bible School is a favorite week of mine, and I know it's a favorite for many of you too. And uh, we all, I hope, have some wonderful memories of what Vacation Bible School means to us. You know, I've met some young people, especially in the last 10 to 15 years, that you would be surprised that have made it to high school age and beyond that grew up here in the Bible Belt that never attended a vacation Bible school. I know for many of us that's unfathomable. I was talking to one of our young ladies this morning. I said, I used to like to line them up, you know. Week after week, by the second week, I knew all the lessons. Man, I looked like a champ, you know. But anyhow, uh, no, it was just uh, a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, made a tremendous impact on my life and I know many of you could say the same today so we look forward to that together this week but right now all we have is this morning uh, we can make all the plans for this evening we can make all the plans for tomorrow we want to but right now all we have is what's right in front of us our very next breath and our very next heartbeat are held in the hand of a holy and sovereign God and it'd do us all well to never forget that amen Psalm 27, if you found your place physically able, let's stand together in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. The Scripture will be on the screen. I'm going to add one verse to what I gave them, so we'll just go one verse further. The first five verses are on the front of your worship guide and will be on the screen, but we're going to read through verse 6 together instead of stopping at verse 5. When I, The more I read this passage, the more I just couldn't get past what the psalmist David says in verse 6. Here's what the word of God says. Psalm 27, verse 1. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock and then notice verse 6 and now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle I will sing yes I will sing praises to the Lord pray with me Father in Jesus name we pray that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart will be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Father, may many today leave this place changed by the power of the gospel by being under the 
presentation and the proclamation of your word. We will give you praise for all that's accomplished today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Today I'm speaking to you on the subject of freedom from fear. I can be very honest with you, and I always work very diligently to be a transparent preacher because I think there's a whole lot of plastic and a whole lot of other things going on in the world today that certainly is not helpful. Uh, being transparent, I will say to you today that if anybody needs to hear the message of this passage today, it's me. And I bet many of you today could say as you read through the words together with us that there's some words in these passages that speak to all of us. Chuck Swindoll said this. He said, one of the most paralyzing problems in life is fear. He said, our fears are directed in so many areas. Fear of the unknown, fear of calamity, fear of sickness, disease, and death, fear of people, fear of losing our jobs, fear of enemy attacks, and fears of being misunderstood, rejected, criticized, or forgotten, or being mistreated. What makes matters much worse is the very thing that we fear often occurs. Sometimes it's even worse than we anticipated. Swindoll goes on to say, he said, I've known times when I felt virtually paralyzed with the feelings of panic, and as fear gets a firm grip on us, we become fear's victim. Now, that's the words of what I believe is a spiritual giant, Charles Swindoll, who has been a faithful proclaimer of the Word of God for many, many years and continues to be so even today. We all understand what he's talking about. We all go through these times and we understand that fear and faith are polar opposites and that there is a continual battle that goes on in our hearts for control, whether it would be fear trying to gain control of our life or for the Christian that we would operate by faith and not fear. There's some things that fear does that we need to think about today as we walk through this text. Fear reminds us all of our past failures and we've got them. It reminds us of our past failures and also reminds us of the possibility of future failure. I know we've all experienced failure. We've all experienced falling on our face from time to time. And what Satan likes to do is to allow fear to grip our soul, to remind us that we're never but one step from failure and that we could fail again even more miserably than in the past. Fear also paralyzes our willingness to trust God when the circumstances are way over our heads. It's hard to trust God sometimes when it seems as though there's no way out, but the psalmist David's going to help us today. And then there's a the third thing fear does. It causes us to forget the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God in the past. Can't we all say God's been good? Can't we all say that he has brought us safe thus far and by his grace he's going to lead us home? We forget the faithfulness of God in the past and it also blinds us to the promise of his faithfulness in the future. The same God who was faithful to part the Red Sea, the same God who was faithful to part the waters of Jordan, the same God who brought victory at Jericho, the same God who allowed Nehemiah to 
rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. The same God who sent his one and only son to die on a rugged cross for your sins and mine. That same God who has been faithful in the past promises to be faithful in the future. And fear gets us to forget that. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, pandemic we were reminding everyone that we would always need to operate by faith over our fears. And on the first Sunday of quarantine, which is March 22nd, 2020, it's a Sunday that will ever be ingrained in my heart and mind. In the online service that day, just me and Steve here with a cell phone and praying some of y'all were out there, I, I made this statement, and I hope you will remember. I said, the words that will be spoken by pastors and Christian leaders in the coming days, now this was on March 22nd last year, I believe will be some of the most important words that we have ever spoken in our lifetime. Well, I followed that statement the very next week by saying that the response of the church to the words that will be spoken by pastors and Christian leaders during this most difficult time in our history will be critical to the future of the church both now and even post-pandemic. So why is our response so critical? It's because we live among people of all walks of life, people who are searching for assurance, people who are looking for security, people are looking for a way to find hope, help, and healing that can only be filled with a relationship with the sovereign God of the universe. I believe with all of my heart today that only God can provide that that they need and our response to the difficulties is so critical because we must be the light. Jesus said you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. He said you must shine the light, be a beacon of hope and point people to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So with all of these things in mind, I want to walk through the text just a little bit here today and discover what the psalmist David does, what he says, what he pins down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he also encounters a battle with fear. The first thing I want you to notice in verse 1 is that there's a declaration of faith, a declaration of faith. I'm going to step over here and, and get this sweat rag because... Uh, I know I'm going to sweat if it's at five degrees. Somebody told me last week, said, it's cold in there. I said, that keeps y'all from going to sleep. But anyhow, I don't know. And, and if you're cold, that's, I'm sorry, but uh, I would be hot if it was five degrees in here because it's always hot up here where I'm at, right? He, he gives us a declaration of faith in verse 1, and the key to understanding that verse, and it's also the key to understanding the entire chapter, Verse 1 consists of two similar sentences and they both end with a rhetorical question. Notice with me first of all that in his declaration of faith he acknowledges that God is his navigator. Somebody was going to give him direction. Somebody was going to help him through. He said, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Here's what David knew. He knew and experienced the pain of planning his own future. Hadn't we all done that a little bit? Sometimes God's people try to help God out when God doesn't need our help. Amen? Abraham did that. It's been going on a long time. So people do that. 
Well, David tried to plan his own way. David got a little big for his britches. David got a little prideful, is an understatement. He got a lot prideful, and David thought that he was invincible. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, that the man plans his, plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I put this on the front of every time I start a new journal, a new book, I put this verse on the very front of the every book. It's also in, all, every, in a lot of things I write because I want to remind myself that even though I may be planning my way, I must submit to the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ that he would direct my path. See, the way we accept God's directing for our life is affected in how we view him. Some people view God as somebody who only wants to punish and judge them. Some people view God as somebody who only wants to whip them when they do bad. But I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, the same God who is a God of judgment, who is a God who will pour out his wrath on this world during the days of great tribulation, is the same God out of love and compassion who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you so that you would not experience eternal death but eternal life. It depends on how you view him. Some see him as only a punisher instead of the great provider. He is the navigator of our life. He helps us find our way because he is the light and he shows us the way. But he's not only a navigator, but he's also a motivator. <laughs> he said the Lord is the strength of my life. That word strength is also could be translated defense. He's my defense. He is my strength. He is the one that provides, protects. He's the one who shows me the way and he's the one who encourages my heart. Now I want you to hear me, church. It's one goal that I have every time I walk to this platform is that I might in some way be used of a holy God to help encourage you to be more for Jesus today than you were yesterday, that I might encourage you to look above the shadows to see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that I might encourage you to not go around with your head on the mat, but get your head off the mat, get on your feet, and trust God to show you the way. That's very important to me. Why is that important? Because the psalmist repeats over and over these words reminding us of the motivating factor of the presence of God in our life. He said in Psalm 28, 7, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him. Anybody in the house today need to hear that? My heart trusted in Him and I am helped. Woo! He said, Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and with my song I will praise him. You know what the psalmist is saying? I've trusted in him. He's helped me and I'm not ashamed to let the world know whose side I'm on and who's inside of me. Ladies and gentlemen, that is so important today. See, David, he knew God personally. The Bible said that he was a man after God's own heart, which literally meant that he was a pursuer of the heart of God. Now, I want you to hear me. Many people look at David's life and they see his mistakes, his bad decisions, his faults, and his failures, and yes, there are many to list. But I'll tell you one thing you never need to miss about the heart of this man. Did he mess up? Did he royally mess up over and over? Yes, he did. 
Did he get too big for his britches? Did he get too prideful? Yes, he did. But in Psalm 51, he says, Oh, Lord, you know me. Purge me with a hyssop. Blot out my transgressions. Make me, make me yours. Clean me up. And then when you do, I'm going to go tell people what you did and I'm going to show them the way of repentance today. God, help us today to remember that. He pursued the heart of God. He knew God as an ever-present friend. He knew God was his helper. God was not some impersonal, abstract being who hid himself in the clouds. David saw the Lord as his father as well as his faithful companion. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, hear me. Thanks be to God for a father like that that walked with him through his difficulties, led him to repentance, and was a motivating factor in everything he did. But notice how David asked two questions in verse 1. Both of the questions that he asked were based on his relationship with God. He said, Whom shall I fear? And then he said, of whom shall I be afraid? And that word afraid also translates dread. He said, whom shall I fear or whom shall I dread? Well, the Hebrew word for fear is a rather common Hebrew word, but the term for afraid or dread is quite different. Not just whom shall I be afraid of, he said, but whom shall I dread? That means whom shall I be in awe of? You know what he was saying? He was saying, Lord, you are so awesome. Lord, you are so significant. Lord, you are so impressive. You are so important to me and so overwhelmingly important that there is nothing or no one under the sun that I could stand in awe of but you. Wow. He's saying, whom shall I be afraid? None. Whom shall I dread? Whom shall I stand in awe of but you? Oh, he gives us a declaration of faith, but I gotta move on. He also talks about deliverance from his foes. In verse one, David declared the sufficiency of God to provide for his protection, but now he looks back at the faithfulness of God in the past to remind him that God will be faithful in his tomorrows. In verse 2, he talks to us about conflict. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, the enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. No one can live a life dedicated to the glory of God without experiencing conflict. You ever hear somebody say, well, I'll just tell you, and I know preachers this way too. First sign of conflict, they hit the trail. I've never been where I've had much time of rest from conflict. I know that's shocking to y'all, right? But I'll tell you why there's conflict. I don't go looking for it, and I don't try to stir it up. But when you stand for God, and you stand for the word of God, and you stand for the glory of God and you live your life for the purpose of God on mission with God you will constantly be in conflict with an unbelieving world that is led by their father the devil it's going to happen and y'all ain't going to believe this but he's not afraid to come to church 
Some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life. You know where I met them? In the Baptist church. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's, I'm dead serious. You're going to have conflict because here's the thing. As a man on mission with God, with the word of God, you're walking with God, you're talking with God. Those who just want to have a little piece of religion without a full-fledged relationship with God, who just want to identify with the church without being transformed by Christ, they're going to have a problem with a preacher like that. That's okay. God's got a problem with them. You know, some people say, I had this one guy tell me one time, preacher, you know, well, ever since you've been our pastor, it's just been one conflict after another. <laughs> that wasn't y'all. Take it easy. We've actually been okay here. I mean, if y'all mad at me, I don't know it. And I'd like to keep not knowing it, all right? <laughs> he said that. You know what? And I rode home from talking to that. This was a chairman of deacons told me this. I rode home. And my heart broke. And I started listening to Adrian Rogers on a tape I had. I didn't have an out back then. I had a cassette tape that you could spin back with a pencil. Y'all know the correlation, right? And Adrian started talking about what it means to stand for God and hold the word of God. And he said something as I rode home from that meeting and never, I've never forgot it. He said, hey, preacher, you know about me in the truck, me and Jesus and Adrian's on the radio. He said, preacher, don't you ever forget, God didn't call you to keep you out of trouble. He called you so he could come get in trouble with you. Woo, amen. I about had a Holy Ghost spell. I wanted to turn around and go back. I didn't, I didn't. I went. But I'm just saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, hear me. If we think that we're going to live for Jesus and have a nice, comfortable little Southern Baptist life and arrive safely at death without conflict for the gospel, we are delusional. We cannot do that. Oh, there was conflict. The presence of conflict has a way of allowing fear to grip our souls. David paints a dark scene for us here in verses two and three. He said, the wicked came against me, my enemies and foes, he names them. An army may encamp against me, though war may rise against me. It's just not looking real awesome, is it? But this was the reality of the world David was living in. It's the reality of the world you're living in. Ladies and gentlemen, people are more and more hostile to the gospel and the longer we live, even here in God Bless America, we must expect that there will continue to grow hostility to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But hear me, church. Hear me, church. Just keep pressing on. Just keep telling the truth. Just keep living for Jesus. Just keep singing the songs. Just keep, 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 keeping on. And let's don't give up because some glad morning the trumpet of God's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise. We're going to meet him in the air and this will be worth it all. God help us. Conflict. But he also gives us a word of confidence. So even with the mounting danger surrounding David, he made a bold statement there at the close of verse three. What did he say? I will be confident. He's saying, how can he be so confident? Just a verse before, he's saying, the army's encamping against me. All kind of dark clouds are swirling. 
The key is understanding the word confident. In Hebrew, the word confident is not translated self-reliant or brave. It means to trust, to be secure, and to have assurance. It also has a correlating word in the Arabic that means this, to throw oneself upon one's face. Anybody with me? Boy, if you tuned out, tune back in for a minute, okay? To throw oneself upon one's face. And it means to lie face down upon the ground. Here's what David is saying. My confidence is in the fact that I am totally surrendered and submitted to the lordship of a holy God. My confidence is not in me. My confidence is in him. What did David do? David could be confident because he was trusting in the power of God. He had gotten down on his face before God and now he could live with confidence in God's ability to take care of him. Well, preacher, that's nice. That's old brother David there, but that's just one isolated case where God took care of somebody. Really? Oh no, the Bible's full of those stories. In the New Testament, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, here's what Paul told the church at Corinth. He said, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything of being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Church, hear me. We can never, ever get to the point that we feel as though our sufficiency is in our ability to sustain what we're doing. We need to always remember that we are limited. Our resources are limited. Our abilities are limited. Our giftedness is limited. But we have tapped in to the storehouse of heaven where there are unlimited resources, there are unlimited abilities, there's unlimited giftedness, and all the glory goes to the one who lives within us and who went to Calvary to purchase our wretched souls. Amen? Oh, God help us. I read about Hudson Taylor who was a missionary to China. Years ago, he ministered during a time of intense pressure and difficulty, and here's what he once wrote about that experience. It does not really matter how great the pressure is. What really matters is where the pressure lies, whether it comes between you and God or whether it presses your heart nearer to his heart. Wait, wait a minute. Here's what Hudson Taylor said. The pressure could divide and pull me away from God or it could be something used divinely of God to press me toward his heart. I talked to this young man yesterday, young, a young adult man. I was talking with him briefly. I said to him, I said, son, God's got a great plan for your life. You can call people son when you get over 50, amen? I said, son... God's got a great plan for your life. And listen, you need to spend your whole life chasing God's heart. You need to chase his, God, his heart with yours. You need to make sure your heart is completely his and that there is no division whatsoever. Hudson Taylor said, listen, let the pressure push you toward his heart, not drive you from his heart. And notice with me in verse 4 and 5 and 6 there. There was a desire for fellowship. I love this. 
Verse 4, he talks about relationship. Notice what he said. One thing I desired from the Lord, and that will I seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to hold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. David had confidence in his relationship with the Lord and he purposed in his heart to live in the power and presence of the Lord all the rest of his days. Because just like the psalmist in Psalm 23 said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what the psalmist in Psalm 23, maybe even right here in Psalm 27, David is saying, he's looking, and he's not just looking at this life, he's looking past this life. Oh, one day we're going to move on up to the big house, church. Amen. We're going to go up to the big house, and it ain't, you know, the, the man upstairs or any of these names we come up. I mean, just, he is not the man upstairs. He's not just the good Lord. He is the great sovereign and holy Lord. He's not the man upstairs. He is a sovereign, holy God, high and lifted up. Heaven is his throne. Earth is his footstool. Someday we're going to his house and we're going to live there forever. About relationship. You know, I was thinking about this just the other day. In our Sunday school lesson, made me think about it again. Talked about the church at Ephesus where the Lord said, Jesus spoke clearly, said, look, you got some good stuff going on here, but I got one thing against you, and that's that you forgot me. You left your first love. And we all know in some of our discussion in our class was about different things and people raising their children through different things and heartbreaks and stuff. I thought about this. You know, I don't know about you. You may have had your heart broke once, tense. I've had my heart broke twice by females in my life. And, uh, the first one was when I was in the sixth grade. I had one that was wrong and one that was right. The first one right in the sixth grade, I had this girl tell me. She wasn't my girlfriend. She didn't like me at all. She hated my guts. Yeah. <laughs> she told me, she said, you know what? Because I told y'all I had the blue jeans. And, and bad enough, we're kind of chunky boys. They wrote on the, t the tag, Husky. You remember those? Okay. <laughs> and she, she said this to me in sixth grade. She said, you're so fat. You're so ugly, nobody will ever love you. I know, sixth grade, man, people say, take it. I'm just saying, that broke my heart. Oh, I remember it. She didn't even like me. I didn't really like her. But I remember her saying that. I remember going home that day, laying in my bed, and I said, nobody will ever love me. That girl just told me that. I'm fat. I got husky jeans. Nobody's ever going to love me. Well, she was wrong because somebody does love me. Been with me over 30 years. I'm wrong. Man. All right, well, yeah, my heart broke really. When I was 15 years old, boy, I got my heart broke really bad. And this girl was breaking my heart, and she's going to go marry some other old boy. And uh, she said to me, you're a really great guy, and you're going to meet somebody really good, and you're going to meet somebody really special, and you're going to be really happy, and all these different things. And you know what? The first girl broke my heart was wrong, but this girl was right. I did. <laughs> Amen. She broke my heart. But you know what I did? I met this special little lady from Texas that just turned my world upside down. And guys, listen to me. Y'all all young and stuff, but hear me. Well, you're going to meet this girl one day. Not that you can live with, but you can't live without. Huh? I mean, man, she's going to, I mean, you know, in the words of that great hymn, that's how you know when he grabs a hold of you, he won't let go. Y'all know that? Amen. And when an old love feels 
she's been my love for a long time, but man, I tell you right now, I'm grateful to God. You're going to have some heartbreaks in this life, but it's worth it, son. I'm telling you, God's got something better for you. Don't you give up, amen? It's about relationships. I had a friend of mine, he's my good buddy Keith Kelly out in Longview, Texas. Keith's been a friend of mine since 2007, I guess. When first met him, he and I both were passionate in Rome, Georgia. He was in New York Merchie, and I was at Spring Creek, and he, he uh, became my friend. He was from Fort Worth, and he didn't know anybody there. I didn't know anybody there, so we came, him and his wife had a little boy who's now about 15 years old, yes, and his name's Caleb, and Caleb had some complications when he was first born. And uh, so he and I connected through that, and boy, we've just been friends ever since. The Lord's moved him out to Texas, and we remain friends and stay in touch the best we can. And He said to me one time, he said, Brent, he said, you know I love you. You know when you got a friend that tells you that, that means they fix and drop the bomb on you, amen. Like my grandmother used to say, I love you, but I listen to you preach on the radio, and you just, you just being a little too hard on them people, you know. I thought, grandmother, anyhow, but, but Keith said, I love you, Brent. He said, we all, you know, and I believe iron sharpens iron, don't you? And he said to me, he said, Brent, he said, man, he said, God has, has, has put his power of his word within you, his hands upon you. He said, but I want to tell you, man, you really need to pray. He said, because God can use you on Sunday to literally call down fire from heaven. But on Monday, you hear somebody said something bad about you, it tears your heart out. He said, and you're like Elijah. You're out there under the juniper tree. You know what I had to say? Marty, where you at? Hiding behind the moose? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Y'all, you know what I had to say, Marty? You ever had a friend tell you something that was absolutely right and it hurt your feelings, but you knew they were right and you knew the reason they told you is because they loved you and they cared about you and they really wanted to see God do something great with your life? You know what I had to say, Marty? Keith, you sure are right. Then I started thinking, boy, i got to find something wrong with him real fast here, man. <laughs> I didn't do that. But the Bible says that the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. Amen? And I'll never forget that. And I shared that with Angie the other day because, you know, man, it's been a kind of a difficult time. Fear's crept into my life. Fear's crept in real hard. That's why the Lord's really dealt with me on this because I believe if, if he's coming after me, I know he's coming after you and he's coming after whoever he can. And I told Angie, I said, you know, Keith told me this. And you know what Angie said? She amen Keith's sermon. I don't know. But anyhow, I just, but I needed that. It's about relationships. But let's don't stop just for a minute, okay? We got a minute or two. He also talks about refuge in verse 5 real quickly. He talks about how the Lord would be his protection. Oh, man, he said in a time of trouble. Anybody been through a time of trouble? Yeah, you needed the Lord. He said, he will hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle. He'll hide me. He's going to set me on a rock. Two things, protection and preservation. He's going to hide me, but he's also going to put a foundation under me that when the storm comes again, I'm going to be able to stand. <coughs> Excuse me. Job said that. When Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. I don't know about you, but in the words in the cold sea mother, my favorite part, you know that song, I know my redeemer lives in the cold sea mother and sings? My favorite part is when she gets right to the end and she says, I spoke with him this morning. Every time I hear that, I just get, I mean, Holy Ghost goosebumps, amen? I spoke with him this morning. And can I say to you, church, 
Just as that song says and just as what the psalmist said this morning real early, the Lord woke me up before daylight. And I want you to know before daylight and the stillness of the morning, I spoke with the sovereign God of the universe. And you know what he reminded me of? That he has a plan and a purpose for his people at 155 Almond Street, Heflin Baptist Church, to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, that hell. You know what else? The devil will say, boy, you ought to be afraid. That's going to require a lot. Now, I'm telling you, that's going to be scary. That means you might have to get out of your comfort zone. I haven't been in my comfort zone. My daughter taught me some kind of dance for her wedding. I ain't been in my comfort zone in a long time. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. She's still holding the entirety, I think. But anyhow, but it was refuge. Let me leave you with this today. Verse 6, I said I couldn't leave it out. This is not going to be on the screen because I didn't give it to Brendan time. But I want you to write in the word rejoicing. Let me say in verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. I will sing praises to the Lord. Church, I want you to hear me. When's the last time in your brokenness When's the last time in your pain? When is the last time in your fear that you just broke out singing? Well, I'm telling you, it'll do your heart good. Years ago, when Caitlin was just a little girl, it's hard to believe she's be 28 in August, going to leave us here in about three weeks. It's going to be hard to believe. I'll never forget, she had this friend Macy. Her and Macy played together a lot, and Macy and her parents, we were fortunate to lead them to the Lord and see God do great. And I tell you, they're still our friends to this day. But her and Macy, we got to pick them up from basketball practice or something. We were riding home one day, and there's this song that Avalon used to sing called He's Everything to Me. Y'all remember that song? More than just a story, more than words on the page of history. And I was listening to Joy 93.3 and I was riding down from Bremen, Georgia back to our little home there in Waco and I was just having a little worship time by myself and I noticed Macy was over against the door and she began to look at me a little sideways. And finally, Brooke Caitlin noticed she kept looking and she kept leaning and she kept looking and I'll never forget Caitlin. She said, oh, it's just my dad. He does this stuff all the time. Reminds me of something we never need to forget. The words of the songwriter Zach Williams says, When you've been told you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, when he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful, and you'll never be enough. When he told you you were troubled, you'll forever be alone. When he told you you should run away, you'll never find a home. When he told you you were dirty, you should be ashamed. When he told you you could be the one that grace could never change. Fear is a liar. He will take your breath stop you in your steps fear is a liar he will rob you of rest steal your happiness because fear cast your fear into the fire because fear is a liar
Church, hear me today. What is fear robbing you of? Is it robbing you of rest? Is it robbing you of peace? Is it robbing you of trusting God for the future because you may have failed in the past? I believe with all of my heart that God wants you to get rid of that today. How about us as a church? Do you know what I believe? And I am, like I said, a very transparent preacher and a person. I don't have a hidden agenda. I don't play mind games with people. I don't try to manipulate people or any of that kind of coerce people. Just who I am and who be who God wants me to be. But with that being said, if before daylight this morning, do you know who I was talking to God about? Somebody guess it. Y'all, that's right. And I said, Lord, what's our number one fear as a church? Okay? Do y'all like it when he speaks to you? I still know what that sounds like and feels like, don't you? I don't ever want to forget. And here's what the Lord spoke into my heart. And I'm going to say this, I'm going to give an invitation. And it's going to be up to you to do something about it. I really believe the Lord sent sin to my heart. Brent, the greatest fear of Heflin Baptist Church is letting go. Letting go. And here's what he said to me. He said, you're going to have to lead the way in letting go. See, it's easy to do what we think we can harness or control. We love it when it's in our hands but he's calling, it to put, calling us to put it in his hands. You can take a football that's worth $28 and put it in my hand, and you know what it's worth? $28. You put it in the hand of Tom Brady, and it's worth a whole lot more than that and won seven Super Bowls. You could take a basketball and put it in my hand. It's only worth what the price is. You put it in the hand of somebody that's a professional that's won championships. I mean, last year we lost Kobe Bryant, put it in his hands years back. What was it worth? Millions. Or you take a baseball glove, and my favorites are still Nakona. It's the only one made in America. But I, you put a Nakona glove in my hand, it's only worth the price that you pay at the store. But if you put it in the hand of somebody that's a professional athlete, it can be worth millions. It's all about whose hand you put it in. So church, hear me. What's stopping us from just letting go? I'll tell you what is stopping us. We are. Today, let's let go. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, oh, how I love your word, and oh, how I'm grateful for its truth. Father, today, would you help us to let go? And would you help us to cast our care on you? Because you care for us. Would you help us to relinquish our fears? And help us to operate solely by faith. Would you add to this body? Would you raise up an army? people who will trust you and you alone for every need we have. We give it all to you, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name.
they're playing, I want you to look this way. The invitation is very simple. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you felt the Lord of glory speak to your heart today and draw you, I plead with you. I'll be here to receive you. I'll help you because where you spend eternity matters more than anything. If you're here and you're a Christian and you've just been at a guilty distance, you had some disobedience that caused some distance, and maybe you're getting a little dry like we talked about last week, it'd be a good time for you to just find a spot on an altar and say, Oh, holy God, forgive me. Renew me. You'll do it. If you're a Christian and you know born again and you believe that this will be a place God have you to serve Him, we invite you to honor God's move on your life. But most of all, just honor the Lord as He speaks to you today. And hey, church, let's just let go. Marty, when you're ready, buddy, Come as the Lord speaks to your heart today. White as snow. Sing it down this morning. White as snow, white as snow, though my sins were as
If he's chosen to spoke, speak to your heart today, well, that's a special, special voice. It's a special time for you. It's a time not to resist him any longer. He loves you so much. I'm going to get Marty to sing this chorus again in just a moment. And I want you to know, friend, years ago I had a dear friend to be with the Lord my first church with the older deacons and he said to me he said brother Brent if there hadn't been one more verse I'd be lost today and I never forgot him and I've often thought about him and maybe today this next chorus is just for you friend he loves you too much to leave you where you're at I pray you come to Jesus today Father, I pray on this verse, this chorus, the sons and daughters be one of the family of God. And I pray, God, you use them for your glory and use this moment to encourage others. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Marty, sing us that chorus one more time. You come as God speaks to you, friend. Don't turn him away. White as snow, white as snow, oh my sins were as scarlet, Lord I know, Lord I know, that I'm clean and forgiven, through the power of your seated just for a moment or two. I got a couple things I want to remind you of and some folks I want to present to you before we go out today. Um, I want to remind you that of course our offering buckets are at both doors. Next week uh, we're probably going to begin passing the plate again. We're going to get back to that. We just hadn't, that was one of the things we had to stop with the pandemic but there's buckets at both doors. Many of you are using the online option and please do continue to do that as you uh, see fit. It's been a wonderful thing. It's helped us, and I just want to tell you from my heart to your heart, I appreciate your faithfulness, and I pray you continue faithfulness that we can continue to touch the world for Jesus Christ. Make a couple of quick things. We're working on Gridiron Day, and I just want to give you a little update on that. August 15th is Gridiron Day at the Par Building, uh, Community Building, like we did two years ago. Remember last year we couldn't do it because of the pandemic. But uh, two years ago, we kicked that thing off and got a good start. We're looking forward to even making it better this year. We're going to be working on preparation through the summer. But we have been able to secure our speaker this year. And folks from my generation remember this guy really well. His name is Jeremiah Castile. Does that ring a bell to any Bama people in the house? Amen. All-American national champion and chaplain of the 18-time national champion Alabama Crimson Tide. Woo, amen. <laughs> that sounds good, don't it? But anyhow, somebody said, now, wait a minute, preacher. We had a former Alabama quarterback last time. 
we got an Alabama chaplain, defensive back, All-American. When we're going to get somebody from Auburn? I said, when I find a Christian down there. But anyhow, no, I'm just, I'm just, just I'm joking. I'm just, oh, kill the whole day. Kill the whole day. Kill the whole day. No, listen, for the 20% of you that are Auburn fans, I didn't want you to know, I'm kidding. Um, we, we're just, we can have fun with that. I know there are safe people there. There are missionaries everywhere in foreign, barren land. So, but uh, no, we will work toward that in the future. And I just don't have many <laughs> contacts or friends down there. But anyhow, uh, we are excited to have uh, Brother Castile, is, uh, going, Lord willing, going to be with us and has signed, to be, signed up to be with us on that day. We're working on the other part, but excited to have him. Uh, has the Castile Foundation, does a tremendous ministry. Uh, touching people in all walks of life and just does some great things. So I still remember those three interceptions in that last Liberty Bowl and preserved the win for Bears last game. So anyhow, but nevertheless, what I do love about him is is he's going to come with the gospel first. Now he can tell you some of that stuff, but our real goal is to get the gospel in the hearts of young people and at the same time try to get them on the right team. But anyhow, we're just, I mean God's team, right? So anyhow, nevertheless, we're... Uh, we're certainly excited about what's going on for gridiron days. We make preparations for that day, okay? And also, as you said, Bible school. Where's Steve? You got something here? Come here, Steve. All right. So, Bible school is Rocky Railway, and it can't be officially started until you got a train horn. Buddy. All right. My, I got my own special train horn. Check this thing out. <laughs> How cool is that? They kept the plastic on mine. I think that's for a reason. That's because I knew how you would be if it was open, so I kept it on there for you. How I would be. <laughs> that's good. That's a good one. How I would be. Y'all write that down. All right, tonight, 6 o'clock, dinner will be served. Somebody told me Jim Nolan's going to be here. Jim Nolan? Off the tracks, Jim Nolan. Off the tracks, Jim Nolan. Yeah, he's going to be here. Well, good deal. 6 o'clock to 8.30. One, uh... Tonight through Thursday, bring a friend, bring two, bring three. If you know more than that, bring them too. Amen. Thank you. I always remember, and I always tell this to Mr. Ralph's mother, Miss Lucille Turner. I can remember her piling us all in that pinto wagon, Ralph. And had the hatchback, and she, you know how many kids you could get in there? As many as till the door closed, right? I think we came up sometimes the back door was open, but the police weren't going to say nothing to Miss Lucille. She'd tell them a thing or two. But yeah, nevertheless, she was, I remember her very well. Uh, her and Miss Linda Bragg, Jimmy, from uh, kindergarten. I come to vacation Bible school right here, and Miss Lucille and Miss Linda Bragg were my teachers. Look what a wonderful job they did. <laughs> that was kind of low, Candy. <laughs> No, they, they tried. It was that mama tried. But anyhow, they tried. But nevertheless, we're just looking forward to a great time, okay? I got a couple of folks I want to present to you. Where is, where's Jackson? Come here, Jackson. Come here, Kay. Come right here, sweetheart. Miss Kay Allen. I've known Kay since about nine months before I was born, I think. Her, her mom and daddy were very special to me. And Kay has come today. I was, I grew up here and has wanted to come home want to unite with the Heflin Baptist Church. Would you let Kay know you're excited to have her part of our church? Yes. Amen. Come around over here, Jackson. Come on this other side, man. This is my buddy Jackson. Check him out while rocking that 80s mullet. Hey, Robbie, you used to have one of these. <laughs> yeah, <he's laughs> I was just jealous. I couldn't grow that much hair. Anyhow, but no, Jackson is my bud, too. Let me tell you about Jackson. A few weeks ago, on a Sunday evening, uh, my phone rang, and it says, Mom, 
She said, do you have time to talk to Jackson? And I'll tell you something. I want you to remember this. Your young people don't ever, I've always got time to talk to your young people. But anybody about salvation. It's all this other stuff that you can get bogged down with sometimes. But when it's about somebody's salvation, we stop in the train, Jim Nolan, all right? All right, so nevertheless, he uh, began to share with me that as a youngster, he felt like he, but he said, I just don't believe that I've really made for certain. I don't believe I was saved. I'll need to get saved. And so right on my phone, we just talked on the phone. Hey, you can do phone event, phonealism, right? You just you share the gospel, and we walk through the gospel, and Jackson prayed, and he asked the Lord to save him and make him his child. So would you rejoice with Jackson Miller? Amen. 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 And I told him this, and I mean this with all of my heart. I've been praying for God to do something with our young people, our students, and that there would be a move of God, not only in our churches, but on our school campuses and all around us. And I'm telling you, I told this young man, I said, it starts with people who just make a decision to say, I will live for God regardless of what it costs me. And I said, you go be that leader. Amen? So let's remember that, all right? So on your way out today, if you can, I want you to come by and let Jackson and Kay know how happy you are of the decisions they've made today. And listen to me. If you're here today and God moving your heart to make a decision, you're like, I just didn't, I guess I'll have to wait. No, no, you don't have to. I'm going to be right out that door there, and there's some other good godly men right here that will be more than willing to stop and pray with you and help you with any decisions you need to make, okay? All right then, all right? Keith, would you come up here and stand with Jackson Kay while I go to the back? You do that. Marty's going to sing us out. And look here, look forward to seeing you vacation Bible school. It's going to be a rocky railway time. Amen. Stand together. Marty going to sing us out.